Welcome to the Talent Development Think Tank Podcast. The number one podcast for learning and talent development professionals. Now here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Think Tank Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you're joining me today for another great episode to help you up your game and improve your capabilities in the world of talent development, which is what we are all about here. and We've been doing for the last five years plus and still going strong. And I want to thank all of you for listening and for subscribing and sharing with your colleagues and friends. I really do appreciate it. I hear from so many great people who listen to the podcast and have gotten value from it. And I'm committed to continuing to provide value to you, whatever you're doing in the talent development world. And today we are talking about addressing mindset shifts and performance in training programs and in your organizations, because a lot of times we get asked to create training on certain subjects. And you all know about the importance of making that shift from order taker to being more consultative or strategic. Um, But oftentimes we get requests for different things. And on the face of it, it looks like the participants, the recipients of the proposed training just need some training. They just need some new knowledge to improve their performance. But when you really look deeper, It's about behavior change, of course, but it also may really require a mindset shift in how they think about their own role and the work they're doing and the behavior that you might want to change. And my guest today is an expert on this subject and someone who's going to shed some really great light on this. Something that I think I maybe have internalized a little bit, but hadn't really thought about explicitly about this being a mindset shift. And I'm excited to share this interview with you. My guest is Heli Nahama Ozeri, who is the founder of Artemis Organizational Development, an innovative consulting firm focused on leadership development and organizational success. With over a decade of experience, Heli helps organizations navigate the changing landscape of business and work by designing mindset shifts that enhance performance and deliver extraordinary results. Through her practical and effective methods, Heli enables teams and individuals to transform learning into actions instantly, driving productivity and tangible business outcome. I also want to mention that Heli is from Israel, that she served in the military, which is where she got her start in training before moving into corporate and then eventually starting her own business as a consultant. And I also want to mention that as Heli is from Israel, she and I have become friends and we do talk often about the current events, the things that are going on in Israel. But because I want this podcast to be evergreen, we do not address that in the actual podcast interview. Finally, want to mention that Heli is a member of our Talent Development Think Tank membership community. She's also an expert on team dynamics and performance and creating great workshops, which we're going to address in this interview. And if you want to get in touch with her, she's available on LinkedIn, Heli Nahama Ozeri, O-Z-E-R-Y. And she is also, as I mentioned, a member of our Talent Development Think Tank community, which you can find more information about on our website at tdtt.us slash community. That's tdtt.us slash community. All right, without further ado, here is my interview with Heli Nahama Ozeri. Enjoy. All right, I am joined now by Heli Nahama Ozeri, who is the founder of Artemis Organizational Development and an expert on L&D and team dynamics. And uh, Heli, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. It's uh, it's good to do this, you know. Officially, we've had so many conversations since uh, you joined the Talent Development Think Tank community several months back, and in our entrepreneur group as well. And so we've we've had some great conversations, and I've heard 
so many valuable things that you shared about the work that you've done and that you do with organizations. And I was eager to, to get you on the podcast to share more of that work with others. And especially because not only have you worked with different companies, you have experience working in different cultures and countries as well, having moved from Israel to the United States. So I wonder if you could start with a little bit of your background and how you got into this work in the first place. Yeah. So I've started out in actually in the military uh, where I did basic training instructions. And after that, did a lot of work within organizations. I did a lot of uh, group facilitation and instructional design and ended up leading the OD department and doing lots of uh, leadership development programs. After having twin boys, started my own business in Israel and ended up here in the U.S. continuing yeah. work. Yeah. So a lot of the facilitation work you were doing was within uh, large companies before, but what turned you on to that in the first place? Uh, you said you were doing training in the military. Is that something that you gravitated towards right away or did someone recognize that in you and say, Haley, you're really great at explaining concepts. You should be doing training. Like how did that come about? I, you know, when you're, I think in high school, you go and they try to understand in the military what role would be best for you. So I didn't know I was good at training, but event, I don't, for some reason they saw something there and I just fell in love with it and, and enjoyed every minute of my service. Mm. Uh, I didn't immediately go to training when I finished the military. I started by doing you know, a lot of sales and customer service uh, work and leadership roles, but when I, I remember when I was in my basic training and, you know, in the company I worked for, I looked at the instructor and I said, okay, this is where I want to go. This is where I'm going to be at. So it was very obvious for me that this is what I need to do. As you were looking at training, you obviously went through training in the military. You probably went through training, uh, I would assume, working in customer service mm -hmm. and sales. There's a lot of training that goes on there. And then moved into training as your own. You, you gravitated towards the things you liked about it. What did you notice that early on or that you still think about maybe that didn't work or doesn't work in training and that you wanted to make sure you do to be more effective as a, a trainer or a facilitator? So actually, I remember as student at school, I, I really suffered. It was so hard for me. I hated school so much. <laughs> really, I hated it because teachers used to just talk and talk and talk. And I, I said, OK, I'm never. And my mom, my mother was a teacher for 30 years. And I was like, oh, no, no way am I ever going to be a teacher. And then when I joined the military, the training was so experiential and so interesting. And I enjoyed it so much. I was like, OK. <laughs> it can be amazing, you know, when when you make people, you know, think and when you make people engage within training, it can, you know, be an amazing experience and it, it can affect your performance. I felt like yeah. I grew up mentally, physically and gained so many skills in my military service that mm. I, I, I immediately said that this is what I need to do. It's interesting, you know, so I come from a background in consulting. I worked for a company called BTS, where we really specialized in creating experiential learning programs and business simulations, especially 
And one of the things we talk about, I didn't serve in the military. I know many people who have and, and have studied you know, what military service and training looks like is that in the military, so much time is spent practicing for things that you may never in, actually engage in, right? And so experiential type learning. But in business, we almost never practice for anything. We just think like, oh, I'm, sh- I'm sure I'm ready for this sales meeting or whatever it is, even though you have no experience. And it's, it's surprising when you think about it. You know, I, I wonder as you come out of that, uh, that experience, going through so much experiential training in, in the military, and then you get into the business world, were you surprised to see that there was so little of that being practiced or used? I have to say that my experience was the opposite because, really, yeah, in my company, because serving the military in Israel is mandatory, most people from L&D and training people, they all go through the same training. So ah. experiential learning is usually something that happens in corporate world in Israel also. So I hmm. had lots of, you know... Role playing, we trained a lot, and it it had no difference, I have to say. And also, one thing that is very unique, I think, with Israel is that because serving the military is mandatory, no one takes for granted that you want to be there. You know, the the military decides what role you're going to be in, whether you like it or not. And if you don't Mm. do the role, you'll go to, you know, that you go to jail. Yeah. <laughs> so you really have to make people want to do their role and understand yeah. why it's important and why you want to do it. And it makes training be, you know, focused a lot on mindset and, mm. you know, skill-based. So. Right. Well, let's talk about that. I'm glad you mentioned mindset because one of the things I wanted to talk about today was addressing mindset and perception gaps in workshops to achieve better performance, something that I know you really focus on when you work with companies, you work with clients. Mindset is something I'm big on. It has become more popular uh, for people to talk about it more recently, I think. But still, like if you go in the corporate space, there's not as much conversation about that. So you know, what do you mean? What do you think about when you talk about addressing mindset and those like perception gaps when you're creating training or workshops? So I think here in the U.S., um, people talk about mindset all the time. They just don't understand that they're talking about mindset <laughs> or realize that there are. For example, in your training, right, you, you talk about owning your own career and you talk about moving from a fixed mindset to growth mindset, right? That's right. And usually this is the conversation we always hear about. You need to address your own mindset and move from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. But you actually do more than that because hmm. when you talk to people about owning their own career, right, you actually shift people's mindset around their career from hmm. believing that their manager is in, in, in charge of their career to understanding that they're in, in charge of their career. You're creating right. a mindset shift, right? A role percept- perception shift. From me being only a software engineer to me being a software engineer that is in charge of my own career. That's a mindset shift, right? So we do it all the time. We just are not aware that we're doing it. And we usually don't do it in a methodological way. Hmm. You know, we address it like knowledge. But the way we 
teach knowledge is not the way we shift mindsets. Yeah. And as you're saying that, it's interesting. I think about, I, I think a lot about mindset and I talk to people a lot about it. But when you talk about most training is about behavior change, right? You're trying to get some type of result. And oftentimes it's a behavior change, whether it's improving an activity or changing the way people do things. And that generally involves a mindset shift, right? Because you're kind of set in the way you do things today and what you believe about your own capabilities and what's possible. And you want people to shift that to become a better manager or have better conversations with their clients or negotiate better deals or even learn a new coding language. Um, all of these things involve a, a bit of a mindset shift. Exactly. Exa you cannot have a behavioral change without shifting your mindset. It's not possible. You have to shift your mindset. And when you see that there is a gap in performance, you need to check where the gap is coming from. Is it a knowledge gap, a skill gap, or a mindset gap? Okay? So if you want to change someone's behavior, you, you need to understand where the gap lies and work from there. Sometimes it's all three. Sometimes it's only one. Yeah. So how do you, and just to back up for a moment, and I appreciate that you brought in the example of my own program, the Own Your Career program. Mm -hmm. And I want to just share like full disclosure that you're, you're familiar with that because after I found out what you do, I asked you if you would audit my program and go through it and you gave me some amazing feedback. So mm -hmm. if anybody out there is creating a program where you have a program that you're like, I think this could be better, reach out to Heli because she is uh, a, just a whiz when it comes to this stuff. Just some really great things for me to think about and we're making some changes, some updates to it. But when you're, you're looking at a program that you're either creating or one that you might have in existence, how do you look at what those gaps might be and what change you want to make? Like, where do you start there to make sure you're setting yourself up for getting good results? Yeah. So first of all, I need to understand, you know, do a discovery, right? To really understand when I'm working with an organization, what are the gaps? What's the problem? I can give an example. I work with a team of customer service representatives that were asked to be more salesy, right? They were hmm. shifting their role to be more account managers. And their manager tried to get them to ask more sales questions for three months. Now, we're talking about a highly engaged team, highly motivated, hmm. highly knowledgeable, highly skilled, an amazing team. You would want this team working for you. But they were unable to ask those questions. So in the discovery phase, I did a few things. One was watch sales calls and just look at the way they handled them themselves within a call. And I also interviewed a few of them and asked them questions. And while I was asking those questions, I realized that there is a big mindset gap. It wasn't mm -hmm. a knowledge gap. It wasn't a skill gap. They had a belief that selling meant to manipulating. So in order to sell, you had to manipulate. So just to back up there for a second. So they had a belief that selling was equal to manipulating. And so they were sort of afraid to engage in sales activities because of the perception that might come, come across. Exactly. And because they were so engaged and they love their customers so much, they didn't want to hurt their customers. So mm. we did a session around their role perception and understanding that we want to make to create a win-win situation, right? And to look at it from the customer's point of view and the fact that they need to look good within their organization. So, and they need to get the most out of the vendor. So in, 
in order for them to get the most out of the vendor, you need to ask them questions and understand what they need and make the connection and give them value. And so you're not yeah. selling, you're giving them value and you're creating a win-win situation. <laughs> and when you're not asking those questions, you're actually, you know, you're not doing a good job for your customer. Right. Yeah. I, I think about that for, and I had to make that mindset shift for myself as a, you know, working in consulting and sales for a long time and then running my own business that I would focus entirely on building relationships and, and sometimes be afraid to offer anything. And then realizing like, wait, I'm talented. I have these, these valuable solutions and skills and things that I can do. I'm, I'm actually doing them a disservice by not offering them an opportunity to pay for this, which is just a value exchange, right? A, a service for money, a product for money, whatever it may be. You know, imagine all the great uh, services and solutions that you use, that we use, or products that we use if that company decided like, oh, I don't want to sell this to anybody and then you don't have it and that would be that'd be sad right so like exactly. you, you but, it, but that requires quite a big a shift in mindset from oh i'm going to be putting people off to i'm actually doing them a disservice if i don't offer them as much value as possible exactly and one of the participants said you know what now i understand that i'm not asking questions for me i'm asking questions for us right so that mm. then you know you have a mindset shift you know, now she feels comfortable asking those questions because she feels like it's for the both of us. And I'm not asking you to manipulate you or do something wrong to you. Yeah. So a lot of times you're saying when you're looking at creating a new training program or updating a program, you need to start with what are the behaviors that we want to see? And then what is the mindset that people have? And is it in alignment with those behaviors? Or do we need to address that mindset before we go to... Because it, before you go to shift, you know, teaching the, the skills, right? Because if, if a if a sale if a customer service rep believes that sales are slimy and bad, right, off putting, you can teach them all day and all week long how to you know about your product and how to run a good sales call. But if they believe that that's like a dirty thing to do, they're never they're never going to do it, right? Versus shifting that mindset to say like, no, there's as long as you approach this the right way. This is actually a, something that you're doing that's valuable for our clients, not something that takes value away. Exactly. And I think that addressing mindset is such a powerful tool for us in L&D and for leaders, because when you understand this concept, you start hearing mindset gaps when people talk to you. You, just, you can mm. just hear it when you're skilled enough. You can hear the mindset gaps very, very quickly. And then you can give solutions that actually move the needle. Can you give some uh, some other examples of what that might look like, especially within L&D or how L&D works with other parts of the organization? Yeah, you know, I can talk about how role perception is relevant. For example, I work with an executive team and try to, you know, understand their role perception. They have, they have been working together for a long, long time and they, you know, they had their official roles and responsibilities, but they never sat down to really, really think about what it means to be a leader in our organization. So I asked them a question and asked them, you know, if your role as a leader in the organization was an animal or an object, what would it be? Okay. okay. Yeah. A thought provoking question to get you off, you know, the logical thinking to the more creative. Yeah. And the CEO said, I would be a shackle holding keys. Oh, and I was like, okay, why? 
And she said, you know, as a leader in the organization, and I need to help my employees open doors to get more flow of work. Hmm. And it made sense, you know. And then I asked her, you know, why are you the one holding the keys? What does it mean for you that you're the one holding keys? And we had a very interesting discussion around it where the entire leadership team realized that they they felt like they need to be in control. Hmm. So their need to be in control in some ways was very effective, but it's in some ways they weren't empowering their people enough. So hmm. this mindset gap that we all discovered together, right, within this discussion made yep. them empower them pe- their people more because they realized that they were holding them back. Mm. I can see that in leadership. I've seen it so much. And it's like the kind of the, actually the crux of the next book I'm working on right now, which is called Modern Leadership. And it's about, I have this core philosophy that leadership is about enabling and empowering people to succeed. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that gets in the way of that is so many leaders feel like, A, I need to be in control and B, I need to be the smartest person in the room. If I don't have the answers, that's going to look bad on me. And so that's where a lot of micromanagement comes from. And, and, and then people don't end up, you know, managers don't end up really developing their people. And there's not as many great relationships as there could be. And it's really about, I often say it's about putting ego aside, right? And focusing on developing your people and what's best for them instead of what's best for you. But really at the core of it, it's exactly what you're saying. It's a mindset shift, right? Mm-hmm. So you can teach managers all day long, put them through a training and say, this is how you have a coaching you know, conversation with your, your employees. But if in their mind, they're just thinking, I don't want my employees to, to grow in their careers. I want them to stay right here. They belong to me. I need to control them. Then they're never going to be that invested in having those career coaching conversations with their people, no matter how much training you give them. It's got to start with the mindset shift, exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. And it's also part of the role perception. If I believe that as a manager, my biggest value is to give orders, right? Or make mm. decisions. Or if I don't believe that a major part of my role is to coach my people and help yep. them grow, I will not prioritize it. I will never have the time because leaders always say that they don't have the time to coach. They do right. have the time. They just don't prioritize it. And they don't prioritize it because they don't believe it's part of their role or they don't understand how valuable it is and how it can contribute to the business. Yeah. Yeah. I always like to say this falls under the concept of, you know, owning your career and owning your life is owning your time as well, that we all pretty much have time to do whatever it is that we want, Mm -hmm. but we choose certain activities and we have obligations, right? You know, if you have a job, you have obligations. If you have children and a spouse, you have obligations, but you're still choosing those obligations when you maybe could be spending time on other things. And if we were more honest about the choices we're making and to your point, you know, choosing whether to spend time on coaching and having those conversations with your employees or not. A lot of people, managers say, I don't have time. I heard a great facilitator once challenge somebody in that and say, well, what do you do if they leave? Do you have to hire somebody else? Oh, yeah. Well, how do you make time for the interviews if you never had time for coaching in the first place? And it's like, exactly. oh. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's not, it's never time. It's always prioritization. Yeah. yeah, it's prioritization. Exactly. When it comes to like getting back to L&D professionals, our, you know, our listeners in, in talent development who are working with different parts of the organization, um, I think one of the biggest challenges that comes up 
you know, this has been going on as I've been running this podcast for five years is talent development professionals trying to get out of become being an order taker, right? Mm -hmm. They have people from different parts of the organization coming to them and saying, Hey, our salespeople are not selling enough or our customer service reps are not, you know, upselling. We need to train them on the product and we need to train them on the sales process or we need to train them on negotiation or we need to train our managers on how to ha have great career conversations. Go, can you go find or create this training? And, you know, our talent professionals, I think everybody listening knows this, right? We want to get out of being order takers. We want to be more strategic and to make the right decision, the best decision for the organization. And I feel like what you're talking about, starting with mindset is a key element of that. Really like taking a look at the situation and be like, what's really going on? And how do we truly address this issue? So what recommendations do you have for people who work in L&D, work in talent development, who want to make more of this shift for themselves? Yeah. So first of all, I believe that if people come to you and ask for training, that's, first of all, it's a good thing because they understand the value of L&D in the organization. And then, you know, I think that doing a discovery is super important to understand the gaps. Right. I had experience with salespeople tell me, you know, the product is too, is too expensive. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you say, OK, I'm L&D. The product is too expensive. It's 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 a problem for marketing. Right. Not for me. But yeah. then when you dig a bit deeper and you hear sales calls, you hear that they're not selling, you know, in a good way. Right. They're not asking. They're not the right question. Right. Yeah. They have a, they maybe have a. Maybe they have a skill gap. If, you know, maybe they yeah. have a mindset gap. Maybe they don't know the product well enough. So you really need to go and do your homework as an L&D yeah. professional and really understand what's happening in the field. You cannot do it from you know your office, you know miles away, and just guessing. You need to go to the field, interview people, listen to sales calls yourself. And if you don't understand sales yourself get, you know, a consultant that can give you the right advice, right? To make sure that you're addressing the right elements and only yeah. then you will get the right results. And sometimes mm. it's not even training, you know, <laughs> sometimes right. it means, I don't know, changing the way we market. Mm. Yeah. I was going to ask, you know, what do you do? Okay. You do that analysis, that discovery, and you realize that it really is more about the mindset than maybe the knowledge, right? And, you know, more product knowledge is always helpful for salespeople, but it's really more about the mindset going in that maybe, like, you know, go back to your example of the customer service reps that don't really see sales, that they're afraid to engage in sales type activities. How do you go about addressing that mindset before you get into any type of, of training? Is it still a training program in itself or is there different, are there different ways to address the mindset of it? So usually when we want to address mindset, there's a, I created a framework of three steps. Okay. The first step is discovering. I want to understand what is the current mindset that people have? What do they think? What do they believe? What's their perception on reality? Then we discuss it. And the discussion needs to be, it can be one-on-one, -on -one, it can be in a group. It doesn't really matter as long as we discuss it in a safe environment that is non-judgmental, and we really create an an interesting discussion around the subject, and then we align, and we make sure everyone is aligned with the same perception around it. For example, 
uh, if the salesperson feels that the price is too high, right? Then yeah. maybe we should address this belief that our prices are too high, right? And so now I discovered that this is their perception. We can discuss it and I can show them evidence that it's not that pricey. You know, I can show them how many customers we have that believe that this is the good price. I can compare it to other companies, right? I can help them shift their mindset from this is too expensive to we give a lot of value. And But I need to make sure that we are all aligned. And in the end, they believe that this is the right way to go. Yeah. Okay. So a current mindset and then discussion in a safe environment. I think that's really important. I'm just imagining it happening as you're saying it. And oftentimes we don't get these things out in the open and hear people's thoughts on it. And when they hear other people think about it, think it through, and then really you, you ask them questions to kind of get to the root of the issue is where people can really have those aha moments and start to realize like how, why, how and why they're thinking a certain way and how maybe that could shift. Yeah. And it, you need to allow yourself and the team to feel that it's okay that they believe something different, right? It's okay that this yeah. is what you think. I'm not judgmental towards it. It's your experience. It's your you know life experience that got you to this understanding. And I'm going to help you look at it from a different perspective and it will help you. And yeah. I have to say, I'm, I'm a very, very big fan of David Kolb, K-O-L-B. His learning mm -hmm. circle is my go-to whenever I need to do that kind of training. You start with a concrete experience and then reflect on it and then explain the concept, give the knowledge and shift the mindset, and then you get them to experience actively with the new knowledge you give them. Hmm. Interesting. Not familiar with that one. I have to look that up. That's, that's really great. One more thing I want to get to is team dynamics and performance. So we've been talking about L and D and training and mindsets. I imagine this connects to it. I know you have a lot of experience working with teams and helping teams improve team dynamics and performance. And it's something that, uh, you know, and if you work in the corporate world, you you've worked on teams, you work in teams, you've probably seen the best and the worst. You've seen a lot of teams that don't get along what are some of the biggest issues or challenges that you see out there with, with team dynamics and, and how can we address those, maybe especially in L&D, helping teams improve their performance? So again, every team has different issues. So the first yeah. step is really understand where the gap lies. Why is there an issue? I can give an example of a team I worked with that amazing people, super engaged, but the way the leader was leading the team was creating a toxic environment. For mm. example, the team leader gave a project to one of the team members. And when they didn't perform well enough, they just transferred the project to another person without communicating it. And then it created yeah. this competition between the team members because they felt like they were, you know, stealing each other's project when it's it was actually the team leader doing it. So it really depends on where it's coming from. One of the tools I like to use is to talk about role perception. Like we said earlier to ask, you know, what's the difference between a good team member and an excellent one? Or, you know, 
talking about if your role was an animal or an object, what would it be and creating a discussion around that. Interesting. I like that question about the, the roles as an animal or object to get people out of their normal thinking and drive a discussion as well as like just getting things out in the open to have an open discussion with people on a team to talk about fears and goals and what people are worried about and how, you know, the different points of view people have and how they can work better together. So it sounds like a lot of it, it, it starts with discussion and then you really need to get alignment around like what is the overall goal objective for our team and how, how do we best get there, right? Exactly. And, you know, not every team likes that question about, about you know, um, yeah. animal and object. So when you have teams that are more, I don't know, like uh, finance people or engineers, you, you'd be better off asking them what's the difference between a good employee or a good team member and an excellent one. And when you compare good to excellent, you get, you know, very interesting discussion around it. Yeah, I bet. Interesting. And thinking about the those performance levels. Last thing I want to ask you, Heli, because we we started off talking about training and learning programs and experiential learning. And I know you've been involved in creating a lot of programs, both in-house and as a consultant. Um, we talked about addressing mindset gaps, but you know, for people getting into creating, they're creating the training program now. They know that's necessary. What are a couple best practices or or things that you always try to build in to make you know elements that you think should be involved in creating a really great program or workshop? It has to be very connected to what they're going to do in the field in their day to day. So there's always a gap between training at what really happens. And what I try to do always is minimize the gap as much as I can. So I try to envision what it is that they will need to do in the end of the, at the end of the training. How would it look like? And try in the training to create a space where they can actually feel like they're in the field. It can mm-hmm. be role-playing. It can be different you know, methods to make it very engaging. They have to be very, very active all the time. As a facilitator or a trainer, I believe you shouldn't talk more than two or three minutes tops every time and then ask a question or, you know, get them to do something in pairs, in groups, but it has to be connected to the end goal. Mm. Yeah. Always keep the end in mind. A uh, An expert guru, experienced facilitator taught me that early on in my own career as well. Like always keep the end in mind, connect it back to the end, the goal, the objective. And what do you want to change? We talked about behavior change, maybe mindset shift, so many things that we talked about, we covered in here. Heli, this has been great for anybody that may want to reach out to you to connect with you and learn more about what you do. Where's the best place for them to go? LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the the place to go. DM me. Yeah. All right. Go connect with Heli on LinkedIn. Uh, I know she's active there. And uh, if you're not connected with me on LinkedIn, make sure you go connect with me. Uh, Heli, this has been fantastic. Thank you again. Uh, we're going to talk more in our bonus Q&A round. But for now, for now, we'll say goodbye. And I will look forward to talking with you more again soon. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. All right. That will do it for my interview with Heli Nahama Ozeri about performance and specifically mindset shifts and perceptions in our roles and the roles of our people. I hope you got value from that conversation. I definitely did. I always enjoy 
speaking with with Heli and the way she put things about mindset shifts was just not the way I had thought about it before, even though I've been in this work for so long. And it's actually going to give me, I think, a new way to look at things as I go into running training programs, my own training program, which she mentioned, the Own Your Career program. I have plans to create a new program for leaders to help them support their people in owning their careers and become better leaders and maybe more in the future. And I think it's really important to start with the concept of this mindset shift and really frame where we're coming from and the behavior that we want to get to for all the participants involved. So I hope that was valuable for you as it definitely was for me. You can reach out to Heli on LinkedIn if you want to talk to her more. Also want to mention that Heli is a member of our Talent Development Think Tank membership community. We have over 100 members who absolutely love the community, love geeking out on all things talent development, learning and development on a weekly basis. We have live calls every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time, noon Eastern. We bring in different guest speakers to talk about different topics. And Heli is going to be leading a session for us either in December or January. We haven't scheduled it yet coming up at the end of 2023 or beginning of 2024. And it's really going to dig, not only dig deeper into this topic, but it's going to be experiential. We're going to practice what we preach. So make sure you sign up if you're not a member and attend that session session. Thank you again for listening. I appreciate you. I wish you all the best. I want you to go out, stay curious, stay kind, do great work, and take care of yourself as well as those around you. Bye-bye.